Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association of North America's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association of North America or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Clay Nully with TSAOG Orthopedics in San Antonio. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Jack Farr. Dr. Farr is the director of the Cartilage Restoration Center of Indiana and was an author on a paper entitled The Role of Bone Marrow Aspirate Concentrate for the Treatment of Chondral Lesions of the Knee, a Systematic Review and Critical Analysis of Animal and Clinical Studies, published in the June 2019 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal. Dr. Farr, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So bone marrow aspirate or concentrate or BMAC and stem cells, platelet-rich plasma, PRP, all these different um, things are obviously very hot topics and very popular popular things both in the medical literature but also in the lay society. Can you just summarize a couple of the main points from this particular article that you and your co-authors would like our readers and listeners to take away? Well, uh, I think, first of all, everybody equates BMAC to stem cells, and I think we need to pay homage to Arnie Kaplan, who actually coined the term MSCs or mesenchymal stem cells. And now he's sent that famous email that we all get, please retract my last email. And what he's saying is these really aren't mesenchymal stem cells. By definition, they're actually parasites. And what he did in the laboratory, because his was based on laboratory, he manipulated the cells. And yes, they could be a tri-lineage if properly manipulated under laboratory conditions. So now he calls them medicinal signaling cells. So I think we need to put a, you know, a new spin on this and, and look on how we are treating these. Are we inserting cells into this area of a cartilage defect and expecting them to develop into a new piece of hyaline cartilage? Uh, probably not. Probably our best hope is that these parasites are going to go through this cascade and influence chondroprogenitors. So there's actually mesenchymal stem cells within each tissue, but they're tissue specific. And these parasites do have the potential to bring those into action. So overall, I, I think th this study or this review has, has shown some, there's glimmers of hope. And I, I think it's certainly worth pursuing in the future to, to see where the real science fits in. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. You know, this is this this is all these things topics have become so popular, and I think one of the one of the most interesting findings in the study, as you alluded to, is that there there was no evidence of true mesenchymal stem cells, or there was an extremely low number that it couldn't be classified or quantified as true mesenchymal stem cells in the bone marrow aspirate concentrate. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing quote unquote stem cell injections um, and saying that they're they're true stem cells. And I think you know this study this review pretty much kind of showed that in many cases, that's not truly the case. Yeah, in fact, if you're doing an aspirate out of the bone marrow, most of these are hemopoietic, uh, quote, stem cells rather than mesenchymal. So I think we just have to look at it a different way. We gotta think of Arnie Kaplan all the time. These are parasites. These are going to influence the environment, probably positively, but it's a different mechanism of action that we thought we were using. Yeah, so one of the interesting things I found in the study, you know, most of the clinical outcomes and most of the clinical studies um, were good, or at least in short to midterm follow-up, the outcomes were good and showed improvement over controls or improvement over microfracture. But actually, in some of the animal studies, that they weren't quite as good. And in some of the animal studies, it didn't show any improvement over controls. Uh, can you kind of just uh, discuss why you think those results are or what, what you, why you think those findings were that way? Well, unfortunately... There was such disparate 
uh, studies. In other words, even in the animal studies. And just because an animal study isn't positive doesn't really dishearten me because there are many clinical applications of a variety of devices that work in a human and they don't work in animals. I mean, if you've ever seen a goat after surgery, they do not take time to rehabilitate and get on their CPM machine. I mean, they're out jumping around. And so these had many pigs, dogs, horses, sheep, and goats. So a variety of animals and a variety of different treatments. And as you said, five were favorable and five did not show any differences. So to me, that just says, okay, here's our baseline. We do have some animal models. Which model can we uh, pick is maybe the most favorable to give us the most valid um, stepping stone to a human trial. So, you know, yes, it's it's sort of discouraging to have a uh, 50-50 trial. But still, I always look at the positive side. So let's look at those positive trials. Why were they positive and what can we glean? What were the differences between the positive and negative trials? And, and what is the next study? Yeah, absolutely. So what role um, or how do you use, uh, if you do bone marrow aspirate concentrate in your practice, particularly as it pertains to cartilage restoration and your, and your cartilage restoration algorithm? Uh, well, as I've been doing this now for well over 20 years, um, I no longer have the option of seeing this nice isolated lesion, uh, nice focal contained lesion, normal meniscus, normal uh, stability, normal alignment. So I usually have comorbidities and many times they're failed other treatments. So um, I'm not typically in a place where I can use, quote, marrow stimulation. And as we all know, it's gone from microfracture. And I think most people now would you say that smaller and deeper is better. So some type of drilling, uh, K-wiring, one millimeter, uh, maybe to a depth of eight to 10 millimeters, so it's not the true microfracture. We don't want to plug up the cancellous bone. So if I do a marrow stimulation, that's how I'm doing it. I don't do them often enough to, to warrant saying, well, I'm going to do half with BMAC and half without. I'll use a scalpel. So it's, it's limited. Where I use BMAC the most, and this is also controversial, I do a, quite a few osteochondral allografts. And there was a study that came out of um, – Missouri that showed positive um, integration with the bone. It was a radiographic study, uh, but it, nonetheless, it was positive. And then Riley Williams out of HSS had one that came out, and his was MRI and did not show any difference. So once again, I think we need to say, okay, we got a positive study, a negative study. Maybe we need to go back, focus on the actual techniques and what can we glean and how can we perfect things. Uh, I'm not ready to, you know, throw the whole concept out. I think there's promising uh, ways that in which we can have biology aid us to get better healing. Absolutely. So you mentioned one thing that's another kind of hot topic, the, the BMAC with a scaffold. There's been a couple actually brand new articles just out in the Arthroscopy Journal with some, some early kind of uh, results of, you know, in the, both in the lab and then trialing some things with BMAC with scaffold. Um, do you have much experience with that, or, or where do you, th you see the future going with that, particularly in light of this study that, you know, pretty much kind of shows that there's not 
true mesenchymal stem cells in BMAC. And so does a BMAC with a scaffold, you know, make it that much better? Or are you still ending up with hyaline-like cartilage or fibrocartilage at the end of the day with those? So one of the investigators, Alberto Gobi, who's the current president of the International Cartilage Repair Society, he published five of the 13 studies and is now helping overseeing a U.S. study that has this uh, non-woven uh, HA product as a scaffold and adding the BMAC. Uh, his studies were largely positive. So if we look at just in general, if you're trying to make a piece of cartilage, you need to have cells. And a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, this product is acellular. No, that means you're not adding cells before you put it in the body. Once you put it in the body, cells are gonna be attractive, hopefully. So you need cells, you need some type of scaffold to help orient them. And sometimes that can be as simple as, you know, fibrin. Um, and then you need a variety of time uh, growth factors and stimuli for these cells to change from whatever they are, fibrocytes or very immature cells, maybe even chondroprogenitor cells that come from the periphery to go on and become hyaline. So having, you know, all these different factors, it's going to take a while to differentiate what is the optimal pore size? What's the optimal time for the scaffold to be around? When is it, uh, does it need to be around forever? Probably not, it probably needs to biodegrade. If you look at some of the early work with uh, PGA, uh, we found that you know there's an acidic environment as that is degrading. Chondrocytes really don't like that environment. So you know, not only is the scaffold have to be uh, kind to your cells coming in, but the degradation products also have to be. So I'm, I'm encouraged and I, I continue to have a positive outlook on this field. It's just that I, hopefully we can get some more uh, true level one evidence studies out there. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned you mentioned a couple of the the the, the BMAC studies, particularly in uh, as related to osteochondral allografts. Um, so, are you using BMAC currently with your osteochondral allograft transplants, or your or any of those similar type of procedures? Uh, so, I'm so the two main uses that I have for uh, BMAC or bone marrow aspirate are to hopefully augment the healing of my the bone in my osteochondral allograft. So I'll use that in combination with de demineralized bone matrix. Okay. And then the second thing is that for the past few years, I have been trying to perfect my own version of the quote bioplasty. So I'm taking BMAC, I'm adding DBM, and then I'm currently drilling into these bone marrow lesions. And what do I mean by that? We all see these uh, lesions that radiologists like to say are bone marrow edema. I think most of us would agree that pre predominance of these lesions are actually bone marrow stress fracture reactions. Uh, the concept was popularized with, you know, the use of calcium uh, phosphate injections. Um, and now we're trying to look at see where the biology, biologic injections might play a role. So, I'm drilling and then injecting this and following patients. I, I have a smattering of, you know, level of evidence for uh, follow-up series with um, MRI that has shown uh, quieting of these T2 fat suppressed 
bone marrow lesions. Um, okay. I, I think it begs for a you know multi-center trial. Yeah, absolutely. But that's that's an interesting concept. Certainly, you know, more I'm trying to take a more biologic approach as opposed to injecting some form of calcium or cement or something like that into the lesions. Yeah, I think especially for these, because we both see a lot of young people with cartilage lesions. And yeah. it's one thing, I mean, I know Pete Sharkey, who came up with subchondroplasty, and it certainly has has worked in with his hands, and, and, and Cohen has also published with him. But these were mostly directed at people who came to Sharkey, who's a total joint orthoplasty surgeon, and said, you know, I need a total joint, but... For whatever reason, I can't have it now. I, you know, from my own standpoint, or maybe it's my health standpoint, or a variety of reasons. And so Cohen's article showed, you know, really good results. But the next surgery after that is total joints. We're not dealing with that patient population. We're dealing with, you know, the 25-year-old that has one of these bone marrow lesions, and it's because either they don't have a meniscus or they have a large chondral defect. And as we've seen with some of the work with uh, ACI, I mean, Tom Minas showed that um, you do ACI after marrow stimulation, and the results aren't as good as if you do a virgin ACI. So when I, I'm kind of pooling this knowledge base, going, okay, probably marrow stimulation is doing something to the bone, the bone is not as healthy. And so if I have a real intense bone marrow lesion, I'm I'm going to think twice about doing cell therapy, and now with this uh, bioplasty type of approach, I'm thinking maybe I can go in and optimize the bone, wait, and then come back and do ACI. And, you know, am I coming from any kind of, oh, I've got a case series going on? No, I don't. This is, this is just, you know, my mind trying to put ways together that we can have the tools we have today to optimize patient outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. Well, thank you, Dr. Farr, for sharing your thoughts with us today. Dr. Farr's article, The Role of Bone Marrow Aspirate Concentrate for the Treatment of Chondral Lesions of the Knee, a Systematic Review and Critical Analysis of Animal and Clinical Studies, may be found in the June 2019 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Dr. Farr, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks very much, Clay. This concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Please join us next time.